Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Well, there's a lot of rain coming down this week uh, in the state of Texas. You know, this show's not about weather, but certainly it can impact how your week is going. We talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And there's a lot going on this time of year at the Texas Capitol in relation to the work that we do in regards to the Texas legislature. There's about a few more than 30 days left in the legislative session. I like to say this is when things really start getting done, but that's also when people start to get nervous because you're about to run out of time for bills to get passed at the Texas Capitol. And someone who knows a lot about that is going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Steve Munisteri serves as an advisor to Governor Greg Abbott. He's also served as the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. He was one of the founders of the Young Conservatives of Texas. He served President Trump in his policy office, excuse me, in the White House office for public liaison a few years back. Steve Munisteri, Mr. Munisteri, or I could call you Chairman Munisteri, a lot of roles that you've had. Welcome to the Texas Values Report. Uh, thank you for having me and, and greetings on behalf of Governor Abbott. Well, absolutely. And we're appreciative that you were a part of our event earlier this year. We had our Faith and Family Day in March, uh, where we had a number of people come to meet with us earlier in the day, then go over to the Capitol, interact with their elected officials, get their voices heard on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. We know those principles are important to Governor Abbott as well, and his voice has been heard probably louder than anyone else's when it comes to the issues of religious liberty and obviously pro-life. And I want to talk about those in a minute, but I know that he's been real active this week on an issue we care about also, and that's election integrity, as whether it's Senate Bill 7 or House Bill 6, those bills moving forward, the effort is catching some momentum. And look, this is one of the top priorities of the session, I know, for a lot of people. And I know the governor's uh, had a strong voice on that this week. Love to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. So the governor initially set five priority items and, and labeled them emergency, which put heightened emphasis on them and allows a, a more favorable calendar. One of those was election in, in integrity. And the governor feels strongly about this issue for many reasons, but in part because of his experience as attorney general, where he witnessed firsthand uh, and was aware of cases involving not alleged voter fraud, but actual voter fraud. And the governor points in support of that to the fact that there was a case during the Obama administration with Obama appointed judge where that judge used the word abundance. He said he found an abundance of voter fraud. So from the governor's point of view, this is not a theoretical exercise, is not a theoretical possibility. It's been proven in courts of law in Texas. And of course, we unfortunately have a long history of alleged voter fraud going back to the, the times when Lyndon Johnson was first elected. And there was a lot of um, suspicion about the 1960 election here in Texas between uh, President Nixon and President Kennedy. And so the, the governor, as a former attorney general and a law enforcement uh, officer, wants to make sure that we have free and fair elections, not just because it's the right thing to do uh, and because it's the legally correct thing to do, but there are also consequences to having uh, fraudulent votes. They dilute the votes of all the law-abiding citizens. So all of our constitutional rights to express ourselves uh, can be diluted and our constitutional right to have the proper elected representatives uh, to represent us can be placed in jeopardy. So for all those reasons, the governor has made it very clear that he would like to see the legislature uh, address 
the election issue and to tighten up the election laws, uh, not, not to prevent people to vote. We want to make sure that people who are lawfully able to vote or lawfully entitled to vote vote, but to make sure that people that are not lawfully entitled to vote don't vote. And so he's very, very uh, committed to that job. Well, look, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, it should be common sense. Everyone should play by the same rules, if you will. And, and not that elections and people getting elected to office, that it's a game. But that's the way these type of things work when you deal with competition or you deal with elections. There's a set of rules. Everyone should follow them. And they should be uh, set up in a way that you make sure that the people that are voting are actually uh, capable of voting or qualified to vote. And so, but there's been legitimate concerns about those issues for quite some time. And I think this, you know, the legislature's got very serious. And a lot of people know this when the bill number is low, typically, that means it's a priority item. Senate Bill 7 in the Senate, House Bill 6 in the House, indicating that the leadership on in both chambers, if you will, see this as a priority item as well as Governor Abbott. And so, you know, but we did have a very contentious presidential election and a lot of people had concerns about the outcome. And so there was long hearings at the Capitol this session on these issues. But I think this is something and look, this is something we care about at Texas Values. We educate people about elections. We encourage them to go vote. So we as well are going to be supporting that effort. And I know we've got a few minutes with you, Steve. We're talking with Steve Munisteri, who serves as advisor to Governor Greg Abbott here in the state of Texas. You know, an issue people think is going to come up next week. And I think it's fair to expect that is a big uh, vote on pro-life issues. Could be several bills, but certainly one that was talked about by Governor Abbott last week and has shown support for, excuse me, before, is the Texas heartbeat bill. That's Senate Bill 8. It's got a House version, but now the Senate version has passed the Senate and is now moving forward in the House. So I imagine that's the one that'll keep moving the Texas heartbeat bill. And look, this is a simple concept. If there's a baby's heartbeat that can be detected, uh, abortions are not going to be allowed. What a tremendous uh, not only, you know, breath of fresh air, but a significant source of momentum to have the governor of our state out there basically saying, bring that bill to my desk. I'm ready to sign it. Yes, that's all true, Jonathan. And it should not come as a surprise to your listeners because if they tuned in to the governor's state of the state, he stated unequivocally without reservation in clear and concise language in his state of the state, that it was his goal uh, to abolish abortion. And I can't remember another governor ever putting it in those terms that were so definitive during the state of the state. When the gov governor speaks, people need to take him seriously because he says what he means. And I'll tell you that behind the scenes, he pushes for conservative legislation just as much as he does uh, in public. And for him, it's not just a political issue. It's a a personal issue. He has very heartfelt beliefs that we need to protect the sanctity of life. And if you have those beliefs, as I do and you do, and hopefully your listeners do, then you understand why it really should be the number one priority. Because before you get to any other constitutional rights, before you can exercise any constitutional rights, you have to have your right to life to begin with. In addition to that, if you just think about the scale of the problem that since Roe versus Wade, we've literally had millions and millions and millions of innocent life uh, taken, then that has to go to the front of the line. So when the governor came out last week and again, unequivocally, definitively said, if that bill on the heartbeat makes it to his desk, he'll sign it. 
That's exactly what he plans to do, just as he had done in the past. The government is the gov governor has signed uh, the pro-life legislation that has been previously sent to him eleven times, in fact. And I know there's some out there that will say, "Well, you know, this is going to get challenged in court, or uh, a Supreme Court could uh, could end up uh, upholding." overturning the law. But people need to realize the only way that you're ever going to get Roe versus Wade overturned or even have the opportunity for Roe versus Wade to be overturned is to have a new set of justices with a new set of eyes and ears uh, hear the case. And so you have to have you have to have a case that actually would go up. So if the if the other side, the pro-abortion side, uh, challenges a law like this, it may actually afford us an opportunity. And I would just remind people that uh, the president that I work for, President Trump, has appointed a full third of the Supreme Court. So I think for those reasons, and just because the president is pro-life, uh, president, I'm sorry, I'm thinking my old job, the governor, <laughs> the governor is pro-life, um, he, will, he will sign that bill. Uh, and if there's other pro-life legislation that makes it to his desk, I'm, I'm equally confident that that will be enacted as uh, as well, and, and your listeners need to know that not only do they have a pro-life governor, but they have a pro-life governor in favor of action on pro-life. He's not just speaking the words, he wants to see action. But I think most importantly, Jonathan, that your listeners need to know that he's with them in heart and spirit, because these, these are his personal beliefs. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. We're talking with Steve Munisteri, who serves as advisor to Governor Greg Abbott. Also, Steve Munisteri served as in the director of the White House Office for Public Liaison under President Trump. We're talking about the Texas heartbeat bill expected to be voted next week. It's already passed the Senate. House is expected to vote on it next week. Governor Abbott says, bring that bill to my desk. I'm ready to sign it. Very encouraging. One last thing, and we'll let you go. You know, the religious liberty issue has been a big deal. A couple of bills bouncing around to protect churches from having their church closed during a pandemic or other settings. I know the governor supports religious liberty. And this bill's really simple, right? I mean, allow the churches to decide on their own if they want to stay open or not. And that's not for the government to decide. But it does remind us that churches are essential. So, uh, you know, if, if anyone is going to stay open during these times of crisis, they certainly are going to be one of the ones. And I know the Governor Abbott reiterated that during the pandemic. Hey, the churches should stay open. Yes, and there's a lot of misinformation about that. And, and thank you for bringing it up because it absolutely is the truth that the governor uh, felt the churches should be allowed to stay open during the pandemic. And if you go back and you read his executive orders, the first one, GA-14, there, there never was a mandate for, for churches to have to close. And then just to emphasize that point, they came back in GA-16 uh, so that there'd be no doubt about it and just affirmatively stated in there that uh, churches were, were excluded from the restrictions. So even before we had a statute, even during this hopefully once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, uh, the governor has always believed that it, individual religious institutions and, and those that uh, are, are, are members of the congregation that they should ultimately have the right uh, to hold their services and make decisions among themselves as to what what is appropriate. So now there there are bills that will do what you just described, which is to recognize the fact that uh, our religious beliefs and our ability to worship are an essential part of our lives. But in addition to being an essential part of our lives, are an essential 
part of our constitutional protections. We have a, and should have a right to our religious freedom, but those rights don't mean anything if you don't put the teeth behind them to protect them. And the governor, uh, again, is committed to signing uh, legislation that's consistent with his view that uh, religious institutions should have the freedom of religion. And, 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 and let, let me just kind of say this as a, as a final note, you know, is there ever a time when you need to have uh, your faith in God and to call on uh, God's help? Is there, is there any more important time to do that than when you're facing a pandem pandemic or disaster? That's, that's when uh, people need to turn to their, to their Lord for guidance and for help. So why would we want to make a limitation on that? To me, it's uh, almost self-evident that your, your pastor and the services are, are self-evident. I mean, I couldn't agree more. We're talking with Steve Munisteri, who serves as advisor to Governor Greg Abbott, also served as director of Office of White House Liaison for President Trump, talking about some of the last few days of legislative session, the important things that need to get done, election integrity, pro-life bills, and protecting religious liberty. Steve Munisteri, thanks again for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you for having me, Jonathan, and, and thank you to your listeners for, for lending an ear. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Look, it's been a real interesting week at the Texas Capitol. As you know, we're about 30 days or so left in the legislative session, and there's a lot of important work still to get done. You know, and I, as I like to say, as I said earlier in the show in our first segment, uh, this is when a lot of things do get done. It gets a little nervous, though, at the end because start to run out of time. One, you know, how are things going to go? And so, but look, I've worked for many sessions at the Texas Capitol and seen how these things play out. And you know, look, if you're working on a bill that has a priority number, that's a good thing. And that's going to help you a lot. And someone who knows a lot about that is going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. L Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick is going to be our guest today. You know him as our Lieutenant Governor. He also served in the Texas Senate, proudly from the great city of Houston. He was the author of many pieces of important piece of legislation like the sonogram bill. We've worked together for many years on pro-life issues, on protecting religious liberty. Look, when it comes to faith and family in the state of Texas, there's probably no greater champion and someone who gets things done than our Lieutenant Governor, Dan Patrick. Governor Patrick, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Hey, Jonathan, absolutely. You know, we've been through a lot of battles together. Uh, we spent a lot of long nights in my Senate office when we were, you know, trying to work through the sonogram bill that once it got passed, finally, you know, it's saving uh, 20,000 lives or so a year. And that's now been almost for a decade, babies that have been born that may not have been. Uh, so we've done a lot of important work together and there's always work to do. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the issues we worked on, Jonathan, back in 17 was on the, uh, you know, transgender folks going into bathrooms. And uh, while it was killed in the House, we passed it out of the Senate, uh, it actually, there's a case where you and I worked together closely on that with the pastors. Even though it didn't actually pass into law, we were so strong in the messaging that the, the, the folks understood it. So you don't see school districts going down that path anymore. You don't see Target stores anymore, stores emulating them, of the, you know, letting men into ladies' rooms. And you don't find that in most businesses or office buildings. So we won the war on that because public opinion just said, you know, it's, it's not is nothing against someone who's transgender. We just don't want men in ladies' rooms. And now, of course, we're working on the UIL bill to stop boys from playing in girls' sports. And we passed that bill out this session. It's it's uh, in the House right now. It's a little slowed down, but I think it will get out eventually because we don't want young girls, women, you know, scholarship opportunities taken away from them and championships. So you and I have been in a lot of battles. They're never easy. 
and uh, we've we've uh, won more than we have lost, and we don't ever lose. We just keep on trying the next time. Uh, but it is, and you know, folks, you know, the the citizens don't care about the process. The process is complicated to try to explain. But one of the things that I knew as a senator, Jonathan, was if you want to if you want to get things done, you have to be a master of the rules. You have to know um, every rule, every avenue, every opportunity that you can to pass a bill or stop a bill you don't want passed. And and so the last month, the rules are very important, and uh, and it's when most of the things get done. So uh, I like pressure points. I, I, I like to be under the gun to get things done. I, I like to be creative in how to pass a bill, and that's what we're going to do. Well, look, at the end of the day, as long as the governor's signature is on it within the time to get it done, uh, you know, looking Total back, count. you don't you don't worry a whole lot about the timing. But, you know, we start to get in these last few weeks, people start to look around. How are we doing on this issue? How are we doing on that issue? And sure. one thing that's been talked a lot about this session, and we're going to talk about three things, election integrity, pro-life, and then we're going to finish with religious liberty. The election integrity has been a big issue. And it looks like starting to get some movement where maybe, you know, the House and the Senate have something to be hopeful about, about getting something done on that important issue. Absolutely. It's uh, I believe it's, if it's not the number one issue, it's the number two issue for most voters. And that's Republicans, Democrats and independents. We want we want to give people an opportunity to vote, make it as easy as we can. But we want a secure voting system. We passed out Senate Bill 7, sent it over to the House back on April 6th, I think, so uh, several weeks ago. And uh, they passed it out of committee yesterday with their language on it from their bill, their version of the bill. And and so real a real simplification of the rules for your listeners is if the Senate passes a bill to the House and the House passes it back differently, we go to a conference committee. Basically, we go to work out the differences. The same thing if the House passes a bill to us that we change and send back to them, we go to conference and work out those differences. So so I was very pleased to see that they uh, are going to send, uh, regardless of the language on the bill, um, they're sending Senate Bill 7 out, and we'll go to conference and we'll work out those differences and come up with a strong uh, uh, voter uh, security bill that also makes it uh, easy for people to vote. We just want to be secure. Um, and one of the issues on that, Jonathan, that's really important is when we pass Senate Bill 7, I think one of the strongest voter security bills in the country, uh, you know, American Airlines came out and so did other companies. And I held a press conference, as you know, right after that. And I hit them pretty hard uh, because American Airlines called our office and said, look, uh, we don't want to offend the lieutenant governor, uh, but we're going to put out a statement, um, you know, that we're against the bill. And my staff said, well, have you read it? And they said, well, no, we haven't read it. And we said, well, how could you be against it if you haven't read it? And that's what I was really uh, unhappy about, because there's nothing in our bill that has anything to do with voter suppression. Absolutely nothing. We want people to vote. In fact, Jonathan, to show you how progressive we've been in Texas, and I'll, I know we're going to do two other bills, so I'll wrap up on this point. So when we passed photo voter ID, and I was one of the authors of that bill as a senator in 2011, everyone said, oh, my goodness, you know, this is going to stop people from voting. It's voting suppression just because we wanted you know, someone to have an ID when they voted. Well, guess what, Jonathan? That p- bill passed in 2011. We had two presidential elections, um, uh, or three, 12, 16, and 20. The, the, the percentage of voters voting in presidential elections since we passed that voter ID bill has gone up nearly 40%. 40% more people are voting today. And our wow. population has increased, but, it, but it's, it's outpacing that. But here's a bigger number for you. When that bill passed, we had a gubernatorial election in 2014, which I, which I won my first election, and then again 2018. 
guess what? The increased number of voters has gone up 76 percent from 2014 to 2018 in the gubernatorial election with with Abbott myself on the ticket. So the idea uh, that Republicans are suppressing votes is 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 offensive and absurd. And that that is not bared out. We have more people voting than ever. Yeah, no, the facts just don't support it. And, you know, but look, no. this is an important issue. This session, there's been a lot of attention around it. This is something that Texas values. And we care about elections. We educate people Absolutely. on the election. We try to have, you know, support the church's rights to talk to people about how important elections are and to get out there and to vote. And then to feel like, you know, everybody's playing by the same set of rules. Uh, another bill that's a, that's a Senate bill that's moving through the House is Senate Bill 8. This is the Texas heartbeat bill. And there are a lot of good pro-life bills. And I know the um, that, that you've supported, members of the legislature have been supported. This one just sort of easier to remember, talked about a lot. Very simple concept. If a baby has a heartbeat, then, then uh, an abortion is not allowed to be performed. It's passed the Senate. It's passed out of House committee. And it's a step or two away from getting to the governor's desk, who, oh, by the way, tweeted last week, that he supports this bill. I mean, if, if you know, we're limiting abortions at that point, that's a pretty significant difference between a 20 week ban we have now could be quite a difference in quite thousands of, of lives that could be saved. And there's an expectation the House is going to vote on it next week. And I, I know you support it. It was a priority item of yours. Well, it was number eight and the budget's number one. So the budget's always number one. So that means it was really the seventh and a non-budget bill of our priorities. And all of our bills, look, all of our bills are important, but we always set aside, you know, 30 bills or so, low number bills uh, that we want to pass out. And we've had a pretty good record on that over the years. And this was clearly uh, a very high priority for me. Uh, Brian Hughes, by the way, the senator who carried Senate Bill 7, the election bill, state affairs chair, also carried this bill. And it's a it's a very unique approach to this heartbeat issue because other states have passed it. Uh, it's been hung up in the courts. Uh, it hasn't been implemented, in, to my knowledge, in any place because it's hung up in the courts. We've taken a totally different approach through through a civil rem- uh, remedies right. instead of yep. instead of criminal. And uh, basically, this uh, and I'm not going to go into the details of the bill, but but it takes a totally different approach, which we think will survive any court challenge and can be the model for the rest of the country. No, and I'll just state it real quickly what that means, right? Usually if you're, if it's a constitutional right, which people believe a right to an abortion is a constitutional right, I don't agree with that. But if that's the argument, if the government is the one that's, um, that's enforcing that, now you've got a constitutional challenge. This one doesn't work that way. It allows for civil enforcement by individuals if they find out that there's an abortion being performed by a doctor. And I think it's going to make it almost impossible for the pro-abortion groups to go the same route in courts as they usually do. And oh, by the way, not only do you have the governor Abbott is supporting it, waiting for it to come to his desk for its signature, you've got national leaders like Dr. James Dobson is out there supporting the Texas heartbeat. He's confirmed that to us, that bill. You've got your good friend Kelly Shackelford, as well as Abby Johnson and abortion survivors like Gianna Jessen and pro-life groups up and down the list. And so a lot of support and momentum there. Last thing we'll talk about is religious liberty. Obviously, a lot of interest. You have Senate Bill 26. There's a House version, House Bill 1239. They both passed their individual chambers. And this is about just making it clear that whether it's a pandemic or other settings, the churches should be able to decide on their own um, if they stay open or not. And not like we saw with some local government officials, the freedom to worship needs to be protected. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, that was Senate Bill 26 that we passed out uh, about a month ago. And uh, it's in the House and the House has sent their version over to us. 
And so we'll uh, pick that and we'll get this. Uh, we'll pick that up. In fact, we already have it. Uh, we'll get it out to committee and, and we'll get it passed. And that will be, uh, that, that's a pretty much of a straight shot on a glide path to finish. So uh, no one needs to be concerned about that bill not passing. We just simply have to have a hearing on it, bring it to the floor again, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll pass that. So I, we are, everyone always does get a little bit nervous. Uh, everyone who has any bill working, even if it's something as simple as naming a street after someone. Because, you know, I learned a long time ago, Jonathan, there are no small bills. Every bill is important to someone. That's why they're filed. It may be a business bill. It may be naming a street after someone who, you know, maybe was a hero in the in, in the war. Uh, it, it could be you name it. It could be any type of bill. But there are bills that are what I would call extremely important because they impact the entire state. And the bills you're talking about here today, they impact 29 million people. And so, uh, you know, it takes a while to get some of those. Through both chambers, you know, there was 150 people on the other side of the Capitol from us. We have 31. That's 181 members, uh, all with uh, slightly different opinions, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. So uh, I was talking to a person last week, John, about another bill, and they said, "Well, why can't everyone just do the right thing?" I said, "Well, because 80, 181 people think their vision is the right one. So, so it takes a time sometimes to get together. But I'm confident we're going to, you know, on, on these bills that are important to." to you and to me and to, and to your listeners, uh, we're going to get it all across the finish line. And, and, uh, uh, if a few don't, we're going to be back for a special session and we can, we can clean those up later, but we'll get religious Liberty out, the voter, uh, integrity bill out. Uh, and, um, and what was the third one we just talked about? Uh, uh, the heartbeat bill. The heartbeat bill. Yeah, that'll be out. I think that'll be on the governor's desk within the next 10 days. So no, we'll, we'll get it done. We're, we're going to have a strong session. And, and I'll just leave you with one last number, so to speak, as it relates to the freedom to worship in protecting churches. Some of the research we've done suggests there are over 29,000 churches in the state of Texas. So a lot of a lot of numbers there, too, when you think about the protection a bill like Senate Bill 26 and, and House Bill 1239 would provide. Uh, Senator Governor Patrick, we know your time is uh, very demanding. There are a lot of responsibilities you have during this time, particularly during the legislative session. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your leadership on the issues of faith, family, and freedom, and protecting innocent human life. And we thank you again, sir, for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Jonathan. We appreciate everybody in your organization and all those who support you. Thank you very much. All right. God bless you, sir.